0: Good morning. It's DJ and PK. It's 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Well, let's start with the NBA All-Star Game. How about that NBA All-Star Draft, huh? Gobert and Mitchell go last. The last two guys. Charles Barkley. It's slander. Slandering the Jazz. Best record in the NBA. Their two guys go last. On the one hand, it's an All-Star Draft. It means nothing. On the other hand, it reinforces the way Jazz fans feel like the whole league feels about them. So... We'll get into that later this morning. Right now, let's talk about the actual games. Utah State played Wyoming for the first time last night. They had a two-game set canceled because of COVID. So uh, Mountain West held one week at the end of the year. They're squeezing one game in. Now the uh, Aggies have to go off and play Fresno on the weekend because they missed a game with Fresno, too. Aggies handled Wyoming. They get the victory. It was uh, the last home game of the year. Here's Craig Smith,
1: Aggie head coach, after the game. Coach, that felt like a uh, heavyweight fight out there. I mean, uh, Wyoming came to play tonight. You can tell that's not a team that was willing to concede anything in this game.
2: No, you know, they, they've uh, been off for 13 days. Jeff Linder's a, a very good coach, and I knew they'd be ready and had a strong feeling they would throw some different things at us, but just not knowing what those different things were going to be, and they did. And, you know, you got to credit to them. I thought they really got us on our heels. We were tentative in that first half. Uh, a few of our guys couldn't believe how wide open they were because they simply just didn't guard them. And 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 then, you know, we missed a couple early, and you always want to make those right away because yeah. then they, you start getting confidence and 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 build off of that. But we kind of were bricking them up there a little bit. I thought we over started overthinking things, and then when guys would check in, if they weren't being guarded, the first time they touched the ball, they're firing it up, and it you know they didn't really have a rhythm for the game. Um, so so I give our guys credit though. They they. Um, They were always talking to each other and being, like, very supportive. Hey, keep shooting or, you know, stay active, believe in yourself, just those kind of things. And at halftime, you know, I think it was the last media timeout of the first half, you look up and it was tied, which was mind-blowing to me. And then we're up at half. And and so I felt like we were in a good spot um, because we were, what, two for 15 from the three, I think, in the first half, if I remember right. And so – Just felt like it was just a matter of time before some of those were going in. And then we just, I thought, got off our heels. We just played way more aggressive, got way more downhill. And it just got more of a rhythm to knock those shots down. Um, and then we were way better defensively in the second half as well. Got a feel for them. You know, they put you in space. They really drive it. And I thought we were sluggish guarding the ball. I think our tentativeness on offense carried over the other way. Um, but I thought we were much more aggressive and got into them, um, really, the last probably 28 minutes of the, of the game or so. Um, and it was much more difficult for them to get their threes um, because of that. They only, I think they had one thing three the whole second half one
1: of 14 in the second half after eight of 17 and a lot
2: of that it's twofold uh did a better job in their personnel but we guarded the ball better Mm. when you start getting behind guarding the ball and now you're in rotation and now the tail's wagging the dog right and and that's what it was in the first half and i give our guys a lot of credit we just tightened up and we're much better on that end of the floor has there has there been – I mean, you're really good in transition. We have been. Yeah. I, and I thought tonight that was a difference in the second half. Does that come
3: from good defense or just being more assertive?
2: I think both. You know, uh, uh, I, I feel like, uh, you know, we're playing a few more guys, I think, longer minutes. Besides, I mean, Cade has been playing, although he only played 31 minutes tonight. I say only. He had a couple of long breaks, but he played most of the second half. Um, but I think Max brings us a lot of speed. And instincts. You know, Steven is fast. Now getting Raleigh back again. And Raleigh looks more fresh, I feel like, than he was, mm-hmm. you know, in that stretch. Um, and then we know Bean is like shot out of a cannon. And then Fons has done a really good job. So we've been trying to. Do a little bit more of that. I do think we wore them down. We're a lot deeper team, and you could feel that uh, as that half went on, specifically in the second half. But I give Logan Ogden as well, our strength coach, a lot of credit because we do a lot of things with speed and agility, and we look really fresh right now.
1: Uh, there was a moment when Kata picks up his third foul with about 15 minutes left in the in the game. And and, and I, I love, and I, I know we've talked about this before, sometimes it's just instinct or gut reaction. You left him in there, and that's when you really stretched the lead out. You know, a lot of coaches may have said, no, come over, sit next to me, and let's try to preserve that fourth and fifth foul, but I love the fact you stuck with him, because that to me, that, that next five or six minutes is when you really kind of put the game away.
2: He had a great look to him, I thought, uh, during that stretch, and, um, you know, some of It is depending on who they're playing to. And, you know, it's like if you have a guard that has foul issues, you'd probably take him off a driver and put him on more of just a shooter because you're more likely not to foul a a dead three, right? And so part of that was who they had out there and we felt confident that he'd be fine and, you know, he's at that point now where he's an upperclassman and we trust him a little bit more in those situations than we did for sure two years ago and even to some extent last year at times. He just has a good rhythm to his game right now and the game's Um, A lot slower than it used to be for him. And I I thought that was a big difference. Is, you know, sometimes coaches will take their big guy out because you got to match up to the guards. But it's like, you know what? It becomes a little bit of a battle of will. They got to guard him. They got to box him out. They still got to do a lot of things and know where he's at all the time. And that's a big reason they weren't guarding some of our guys, you know, because they're essentially. Doubling Kata in the paint without doubling because they just sat on him the whole time.
1: They doubled before the post pass. Yeah, I yeah. mean,
2: it was like, so you do what you do, But they gave up some things, too. That's what allowed Justin to, yeah, he missed some shots. But, I mean, he got pretty free around the rim and, and made them pay, once, especially once he settled in. And then I thought he did a way better job as a screener where, one, you know, Steven drills a three because Bean sets a great ball screen. And there's nobody there. To pick up or show on the ball screen and a guy like Steven where you know he walks in the gym he's in range so he comes off that little pull up and whap you know knocks it down and so um, there's a lot of ways to win games and I thought he really um, did a good job and Max Shulga too you know Max still a new commodity so to speak and has got to prove himself you know in our league uh, obviously he's only really played the two games extended minutes and they weren't guarding him and you know know, Max gets in the first time he touches the ball Launches a three. And I mean, there's no one, I mean, (laughs) you're closer to me than any defender was when when he walked in. But I thought the second half, the first time he touched it, he was wide open, but he passed it. And he just found a rhythm to the game. And he sticks those two threes. And then all of a sudden we go, boom, you know, real, real fast. And now they have to respect him and honor him more. And um, and so we'll adjust. And that was the first time that's happened. And uh, like
1: I said, I give our guys a lot of credit for figuring it out. What's your schedule in terms of what you can do? I mean, are you going to leave later tomorrow so that you can get a, some stuff in tomorrow morning? How, how are you going to handle the next uh, 48 you know, we're, hours? We're
2: going to treat it just like a normal road trip. Uh, it is different without a question. You play yeah. on a Thursday, and all of a sudden you've got to play on, on a Saturday against a different team. This will be our first time not playing the same team in league play, you know, two games in three days. So um, we'll be – I don't even know what time we're up here. I think we're up here probably about um, – I don't know, 1230 film. We'll go through their film. Uh, We'll put all their personnel. The good news is we've already played Fresno. Mm -hmm. So we'll go through their personnel, their sets, what we're going to do. We'll have a good feel for them. Uh, We won't do a whole lot live just because of the state where we're at. Um, But we'll do some breakdown stuff, a lot of shooting like we always do, uh, in between games especially, and um, hop on the plane and get there. So we're fortunate to have a charter plane where we can – don't have to drive to Salt Lake and just you know yeah. go into Fresno.
1: Um, I'd be remiss. Uh, what? When did you make the decision on Brock tonight?
2: Um. Yes, last uh, I don't know what time. I mean, whenever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was. It was last. Eh, it, we had a pretty good idea last night at, okay. after he saw the doctor. Okay. So. So that's where we're at, and obviously a game like tonight. You know, he he's been so good for us, but obviously. He was hurt. He's been hurting the last four games. He heard it right before. He literally heard it. Our last live segment, we went really short the day before Boise and it just happened. Didn't hit a screen, didn't fall, just went out. And so it is what it is. And so hopefully um, um, we can get him back here soon and hopefully he'll respond to his treatment and, and what the doctors are doing.
1: Okay. Sounds great. Can
2: can I say one more thing? I want to thank all of our fans for coming out. You know, it's, it's, it's the weirdest day. It's, it's, It's hard to believe it's our last home game. I know, right? I I felt like we haven't had a home – I mean, we didn't have a home game for five weeks, and then we end the year with three home games, and it's like I feel like we're just finally getting in our groove again and our fans, you know, and it's just unfortunate how it goes. But I really appreciate all the fans that supported us all year. Um, it felt safe and comfortable coming to this place. This place is such an amazing um, venue and the, the Specter magic and everything. And our fans are unbelievable. And so, uh, I, you know, I wish we could have everyone coming down to the conference tournament, but obviously we can't. And so I can't express... My gratitude, and I know our players would say the same thing for all the support. This place is just incredible, and so thank you all.
1: Yeah, well said, Coach. uh, Talk to you in
2: Fresno. All right, go Aggies. All right.
0: There's Utah State basketball coach Craig Smith. All right, we're going to take a break. When we come back. Michelle Smith, Arizona Republic, talking Arizona State, our spring football tour. The Sun Devils are playing the Utes, the Cougars, and the Southern Utah Thunderbirds. We'll talk with Michelle Smith from the Arizona Republic about ASU next.
3: Take the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show. From Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK,
0: it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We are joined now by Michelle Gardner. ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic. Michelle, good morning. I'm great. I'm doing great. How are you guys doing this morning? We are doing well. But I want to give you a warning here, Michelle. First off, you've got a lot of fans listening closely to this because ASU opens the season in Southern Utah, and then Game 3 is at BYU, and then in mid-October, uh, mid season, they're up to play the Utes. Now, on top of that... I went to UC Santa Barbara. I got. I got no. I got no uh, horse in this race. But my my partner here, PK, he's he's teleporting himself right now to January first, nineteen eighty seven, and the happiest sun devil moment ever after the Rose Bowl victory. So he'll be going over everything you say with a fine tooth comb. So be on, be on okay. your A game. You you have no idea the Lions, Dan. You're about to step into with the with the Devils here. Okay. Now, having said that, uh, there's been. Um, A lot of hype and a lot of pub for Herm, uh, but now we're getting into year three or year 2.5. I don't know. It depends on how you score, whatever it was that just passed for a a football season. When we hear people say they're prime for a big year, you're covering the team. Do you feel that, or do you feel like people are getting a little ahead of themselves?
4: No, I think this is going to be the year for them, most likely. Um, They were turned 20 of 22 starters, So, you know, now you've got guys that have been in the program under Herm. I think there might be two or three guys that he didn't recruit. But this is a team that he's pretty much recruited by hand. He's got a coaching staff that's all his guys. So I thought maybe last year would be the year, and then it unfolded the way it did. So obviously it was not. Um, But I definitely think that this year could be their year. But, you know, ASU people have been they've gotten used to being disappointed, <laughs> you know. So, you know, there are, there there's a lot, large segment of the fan base that's all in and thinks this is going to be the year, and then there's a segment of the fan base that goes, hey, I'm going to hold out hope, you know, because I've been disappointed before. So it's kind of both.
5: Yeah, you look at last season and, uh, you know, his th- Herm's third year there, it's not a full season, so you really can't uh... – evaluated completely obviously i think they were they only played what four games is that what it was they played one of the fewer games out there of any division one
4: team yeah it was four it, games and games one and two were interrupted by a one month break yeah, yeah, yeah. uh yeah. so four games a month break in between those two games you got a new offensive coordinator you're breaking in a new defense so it was just kind of a tough
5: go for a lot of reasons So defensively, I think they're supposed to return everybody. Uh, I I look at that, and there's a bunch of kids who came back. Maybe they could have gone for the draft or... Didn't want to return for eligibility. I think uh, Crosswell uh, was the one kid who left, but he had gotten beaten out in the secondary, and then they ended up suspending him, I think, at the end of the season anyway. uh, Defensively, they should be really, really strong. The thing that bothered me is they allowed, obviously, uh, the two L.A. schools to score at the end of the game. Is that anything that the Devils should be concerned about as far as that being a pattern, or would they be that much better this next season?
4: No, I th- I think that the defense is going to be much better. What they need to do is they need to improve. They were ninth against the run, ninth against the pass. So, obviously, when you return every starter, you expect that to not be the case this year. But what they did do very well is they were first in scoring defense, and they were first in the country in takeaway ratio. So they did some things well, and maybe it's bend but don't break. But they need to give up less yardage in between the 20s. Um, Shari Crosswell was the one loss, if you can call it a loss. He lost his starting spot going into the USC game. So he, even though he had started for two years, technically he wasn't a starter at the start of the season. Um, so, you know, maybe it's a little bit of a loss, maybe not. But, you know, guys like Chase Lucas, Evan Fields, Merlin Robertson, uh, most people thought that the two seniors were going to be done and gone, and some people thought Merlin would declare for the draft. So early on when those guys came back, and Jack Jones also the other corner, when those guys all decided to come back, people kind of started getting excited because they're like, you know what, if those guys are coming back and everybody thought they were going to be gone, then there's a good thing going here. So that's I, I expect the defense to be much improved over last year. So
0: under the theory that uh, you're back, you should be better, but you're not always better, what, what is it they're trying to get better at? You bring up this ninth Against the run and against the pass, I mean, is it is it missed tackles? Is it scheme? They concede a lot of yards in front of them because they do bend that don't break. Is it blown assignments? What happens?
4: You know, it's kind of hard to say. I, I don't think they were terrible because they they made some really great plays. I, I think Merlin Robertson played phenomenal against USC, um, then not so well in the next couple of games and then he played great in the last game, but it was, it was just maybe some big plays here or there. Uh, I think they were better tackling than they were in the previous year. So I don't necessarily think that was the issue. I just think it was, it was big plays and it was also failure to get off the field on third down. If I had to pick one thing, I would say failure to get the third down stop against USC The defense was on the field for 95 plays. That's obscene. So (laughs) I I think third down stops is the area they need to improve on.
5: So you look at their offense. I think Herm is an old school guy and uh, NFL guy, obviously. And it reminds me a lot of what Utah does with uh, Kyle Whittingham in terms of we're going to run the ball. And so they've got a couple good running backs there who had, uh, they were new, the junior college kid and then uh, train him. The freshman from Ohio looks like he's going to be a star. But my thought for you is with that in mind, since they're such so run oriented, why would Thompson, the kid from Utah, leave one running oriented school and go to another run oriented school?
4: You know what? That kind of I was kind of curious about that myself. And ASU's got a lot of receivers. Now they've said they're not necessarily going to be run heavy. They want it to be maybe 55-45. And a lot of the reason they were run heavy last year was, at least early, was because you're breaking in a lot of wide receivers or new new kids in the wide receiver position. Um, You had a new offense. You didn't have any spring practice, and this offense is a little bit complicated, a lot of shifts, a lot of motions. So that's kind of why they leaned on the run early and and didn't pass as much. Frank Darby, who is one of the lone losses on the offensive side of the ball, he got hurt very early in the USC game. So when he went down... Basically, all the receivers left were freshmen or sophomores that didn't play a lot. So, you know, Jaden hadn't had a a chance to really develop that chemistry with those guys, be be it no spring practice hardly, and then being early in the season. So that's why the passing game struggled a little bit early and they had to rely on the run.
0: So speaking of Jaden Daniels, and we're talking Arizona State football right now, our spring football tour continues with Michelle Gardner, ASU beat writer for the Arizona Republic. Uh, In the shortened season last year, he completes 58% of his passes. As a freshman, he's just a shade under 61%. Most coaches want 65 Now, ASU loves to throw the deep ball, and he throws a pretty deep ball. So are they okay with what he's doing? The He limits the interceptions. He's great at that. But does he need a higher completion percentage, or what he's doing is good and that's how they're going to play?
4: No, I, th- I think it'll get better just because now he's a junior. But again, in the USC game, I'm going to go back to that, Johnny Wilson had four flat-out drops, Mm. like drops. Um, So you can't fault Jaden for that. So um, I think that he's going to be much better in that regard just, again, because he's – he's getting a chance now to get on the same page with these wide receivers. So I think that'll get a little bit better. Um, You know, you look at some of and and again, going back to the ratio of run versus pass, some of the other dynamics didn't necessarily lend themselves to huge passing numbers. You know, they got up on Arizona 42-7 at the half, so they didn't Pass a lot in the second half. Um, the Oregon State game was cold and rainy, so they kind of kept the ball on the ground because they have good running backs. So I know his numbers were very pedestrian when you look at them on the surface, but you kind of have to look at all the things that went into them.
5: Line, it seems like Herm, since he's been there, has been somewhat patchwork, and a lot of it is getting uh, transfer guys to come in. And we know that if you want to run the ball or throw the ball, you better be good up front. How's the offensive line look this season?
4: Well, they've got all but one starter returning. The only starter not returning and one of the two players on either side of the ball not returning is their center, Cade Cody. Cade Cody was a sixth-year senior last year. So most guys aren't going to come back for a seventh year, even given the option. So center is the position that they're looking to fill. And right now, at least through the first day of practice, it looks like that's going to be junior Donovan West, who was a starter last year at left guard. And they feel Donovan's got the potential to play at the next level, and if he does, it's going to be at center. So, at least yesterday in the first day, it looks like Donovan West is going to be the guy there. Um, they return all the other starters, and two of those were grad transfers in Henry Hattis, who came from Stanford, and uh, Kellen Dish, who came over from from Texas A&M. So. Those are two guys that are very veteran guys that have played football for a while, and those guys are the leaders on the line. And I think they're going to be fine on the line because they're returning four of the five.
0: So is this year's schedule just kind of a one-off then, uh, non-conference at Southern Utah, UNLV, and at BYU? There are some bigger games out there, and there's a thought that the Pac-12s got to play other Power Five leagues and beat them. And they do have Oklahoma State out there coming up here is ASU all in on that, or is uh, is Herm more? Hey, let's go three and zero, build some confidence, break in the young guys, and worry about conference.
4: No, usually, usually they like to have the one gimme game. They like to have one that's a decently tough game, and then one that's kind of in the middle. Uh, and of course, they set these schedules years in advance. You never know how good somebody's going to be or not m- not be. But that's kind of usually the, what they try to do is a kind of a gimme. A tough one and then one that's kind of in between type of thing. So that's kind of where their thought is in that process. Um, as far as the rest of the schedule, and obviously the schedules came out earlier this week, um, ASU's got a decent schedule. Obviously, the tough part is the end of the year, back-to-back trips to Oregon State and Washington. Um, so two straight trips to the Northwest, back-to-back weeks. And this will be the third year in a row that ASU has traveled to Oregon State, so a lot of the fame fan base here wants to gripe about that. So um, you never know the weather in Corvallis come November, December. So that's kind of the tough part of the schedule. Um, But Herm doesn't focus on that. He said, hey, let's just go play them. And they did win last year in December in Corvallis in bad weather. So maybe that's overrated.
5: Yeah, it has to be not just Corvallis in late in the season. It has to be eight thirty and rainy. That's part of the deal. Can't it can't be one o'clock. So uh, I understand their frustration there, but you got to play the game. I I like the stuff that uh, that it comes out of the coaching as far as the recruiting because they'll tell you they their spin is that well we, we recruit nationally. You know that's what we do. Well, yeah, you you damn well better recruit nationally because you ain't getting anybody from the state of Arizona. Maybe you can get a walk-on or a kicker or somebody's son. But other than that, that's been a struggle. And I know hiring two ex-high school coaches from California, Southern California in Pierce and Claiborne has really helped. And they hired the Chandler High coach, and Chandler's got the big program uh, down there, obviously, in the Valley. Uh, Do you see any breakthrough? as far as to be able to have any shot at getting the top kids and stop having them to go to Oklahoma and Oregon or wherever else they're going?
4: No, I, I like what they've done already for the next cycle. Uh, They've already got two four-star recruits and uh, they've gone into Florida and, and to get Jalen Marshall out of Hallandale high school, which is outside of the Fort Lauderdale area. um, They went and got him. They just got a four-star safety and, from people I'm talking to with the 247 affiliate say this kid is really, really good. So, and he's out of California too. So I like what they've done. Um, they're excited about this recruiting class and that this is the first recruiting class that Herm and his staff have recruited since they were high school freshmen. So I think they're gaining traction in, in places like Florida. Um, and they got Chip Traynham, the top running back out of, you know, Ohio State territory. He's from Ohio. So I think they've definitely increased their footprint nationwide. Um, and I think that that's going to continue.
0: So when you look at the South, where would, you, uh, where would you put ASU in all of this?
4: Well, you know what? I think the South, I think any of four teams can win it. Obviously I, I don't think Colorado has quite enough and Arizona is Arizona. So I don't think I, I don't think those two teams have enough to pull it off, but I think any of the other four teams really could pull it off. But I think you start with USC just because they're USC and that's a national brand. That's a, a school that should get the top recruits in the country year in and year out. So I gotta think that USC is probably still the favorite. And I think ASU, Utah, and UCLA are in the mix, too. I, I wouldn't rule any of those teams out. So uh, I think this is probably ASU's best chance in a while to actually win it. And I'm not going to go overboard and say they're the favorite because I, I still would probably go with Keaton Slovis and USC. But I think that ASU can be in the mix. And There's no doubt about that. You know, not, with 20 of 22 starters returning, they should be in the mix.
0: Michelle, we appreciate a few minutes. Thanks for joining us on little spring football tour of Arizona State. We appreciate it. Anytime. There's Michelle Smith from the Arizona Republic talking ASU football. When we come back, Craig Bullerjack is talking jazz basketball. Stay with us. Take
3: the zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of the zone as well as podcast editions of every show.
0: DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Well, the Utah Jazz are on to the all-star break now. Late in the show yesterday, we had Craig Jack on to reflect on the uh, <laughs> that crazy, hideous game Wednesday with Philadelphia, the calls, the way the guys felt afterwards. Uh, here is Bowler with PK and I. I felt that way my whole career, honestly. You know, it's just that that small market. We don't have the, the big time names, you know, the ones that are all over the TV and stuff like that. So, um, it can get a little wild for us. But um, we have stars. You know, Don's a star,
1: Rudy's a star, Boyan, guys that deserve to get those calls, and it's just not happening for us right now, and uh, it's it's unfortunate.
0: There's Mike Conley. In the midst of the rage from Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell, and I expect they'll both get fined for stuff they said. Conley with the quietly devastating assessment. Do you feel like you're not uh, getting the calls? Oh, I felt like that my whole career. Nice, Mike Conley post game time to bring in a guy who got pretty worked up himself. Craig Bowlerjack, TV voice of the Utah Jazz. Bowler, good morning. Uh, good morning, guys. You know, Boy. PK's come to learn over time that I psychoanalyze everything, and I was psychoanalyzing you during the game. You know, yeah. I know I know Matt a little bit. I know you obviously much better. And I thought there was one point when, <laughs> when you got frustrated with the rest, You were ready to just, shut up, Matt. I'm mad, and I'm going to let it rip. And I could just kind of feel Matt going, whoa, I haven't seen this side of Bowler in a while. I better just get out of the way and let him roll here. Yeah, there what, was, uh, what irritated there was... you the most? PK and I have come up with our, and we'll tell you what our plays were, but what really set you off?
6: Uh, I think when Embiid uh, continued to, I thought, um, you know, harass Donovan and actually punk him a little bit by constantly putting the T in, in the official's face. And then finally the official gave Donovan a, a, a technical foul the first of two. Uh, which would then uh, put him out of the game, and just a few minutes later, I, I we really had a good close up of that, and that irritated me. That was disrespect of the game, which the league talks about, and I thought it was a it was a taunt, and uh, that's what upset me the most—that a player cannot officiate a ball game, and I thought Embiid was doing that.
5: Oh, agreed. That pissed me off royally, man. I, that was that was complete and total disrespectful. And and I actually think some jazz guy should have gotten his face and said, what are you doing? Knock Enough. it off.
6: Yeah. Yeah. The whole night, uh, you know, I, I, there were some really interesting comments. Uh, and obviously, Donovan let it fly. And yes, you're right, DJ. Uh, there will be fines to what extent. I don't know. And what what money, what value <laughs> yeah, who you know, cares? Just, yeah, I mean, it's. I, I think it's something that a lot of teams want to say. uh Again, you know, we've all worked in this market for quite a while, and it's the same conversation that a lot of fans have had with us about. And I don't like to say small market. I'm at a. I'm at a point where Utah and uh, has has grown, and we're we're mid. Okay, we, are we the big? No, you know that's just the way it is, but. We're a mid-sized market. I I like to get rid of the small market mentality personally. That's just me. Uh, But look, you've got uh, multiple all-stars and you have a two-time defensive player of the year. And some people say you're whining. But at the same time, you know, in in critical games such as we saw last night, you just have to kind of wonder why the calls go the way they do. And I'd be interested to hear what you guys thought. Uh, You know, I, I have three that probably, we're very, you know, I think we're controversial, and that's where the anger level really starts to jump. Um, I'm not sure what the front office thinks. So they're very quiet when it comes to that. I know that they have had at times publicly, you know, had conversations with the league about issues just like what we saw last night. But the one that really riled me, I thought, was just that Embiid was over the top with antics. And that is something the league has said to us as broadcasters and and to the players about respect of the game, taunting, all of the above. But that did not occur last night with Joel Embiid as he just kind of officiated himself. And I, I just at the time it was an intense moment. Uh, the Jazz uh, and Philadelphia really, obviously, battled from the opening tip until you know overtime. And the shot by Embiid was incredible, by the way. Uh, in regulation to hit the three. Please, that was, you know, uh, he made the shot, and he takes about three a game, and that one just happened to be right down the, the barrel. And, you know, then things got heated as, as we went to overtime, even more so than it was in regulation.
5: I actually loved the postgame. I loved the display of emotion. I thought the game was over when Donovan got kicked out, so I enjoyed that. I mean, I wouldn't want it on a nightly basis where it becomes a huge distraction. And right. we've seen players do that. But I think in an isolated case, I enjoyed the fact that him, uh, Mitchell, and Gobert basically went off. Because if nothing else, it shows me how much they care.
6: Yeah. No, P.K., sometimes it has to be done. And, you know, I, I know that there's some fans who believe stay calm, cool, collected, and stay within yourself. But I tell you, it's still in the human nature. I think all of us blow a top on occasion. Uh, and it costs them financially. But, you know, I think that's just something that, you know, they wave away. They say, I think what, what I heard last night was not only a statement for the team, but for the, for the organization and the, and the state and the fan base. Um, that's what I heard. Uh, I I may be, you know, wearing the rose colored glasses and I admit, you know, I'm with this team. Well, used to be on the road, uh, but not this year, but still, you know, you, you just know these guys, you know, how hard they work, you know, the frustration that comes with the game and losing. Uh, But this, this team is dialed in to take it to the next level and they don't want to be disrupted for, for things that they can't control. And I know, you know the league. You know the the the, the team. The, the, you know Quinn always says, you, you know, just control what you can't control. And when you feel like you've lost control of something you can't, uh, you know, pull back in. Uh, that's the frustration part. And I think it's just been building. I really have. Even though the Jazz have had great success this this first half of the season, there's been nights uh, you can tell conversations I've had that it, it, it it's a frustrating issue that's gone on. You know, for not not just this season, it it goes way back. Carl and John would probably tell you the same thing back back in the day, so to speak.
0: Well, we already cited the examples. I mean, you know, longer than any of these players have been here, longer than Quinn, longer than yeah. Dennis has been here. You can go back to, I don't know how many people are in the organization even now from when uh, the mystery foul and Kobe, oh, he fouled the hell out of me. And, and Devin Brown, he wasn't within a foot of you, dude. I mean, right. it, was, it was just right. a terrible call. And whether it's a terrible call because refs are bad, or it's just a terrible call because people make mistakes, or whether it's a terrible call because, hey, Kobe's a superstar and he gets calls. You know, whatever it is, it was a terrible call. And you can go back to Dick Bavetta in the finals. And, like, I get that 27-year-old fan may not remember that, but I I guarantee a 47-year-old fan is wincing in agony just at the word Bavetta. But, but Boulder, this has been going on since before Dick Bavetta was a ref. Will Chamberlain never fouled out of a game. This is just the nature of the NBA and nothing ever changes and i get people are human and blow their top because i blown my top to pk on the phone in 2021 so <laughs> i t- and i'll i'll tell you later what it was about and you'll find it okay. hilarious yeah, I like and this. and so it just it uh you know i get that but I watched that Jordan documentary, and he was exhausted. Just like the Jazz were exhausted. I thought they were really fatigued in New Orleans, right? And if they had played in Philly, the way they played in Philly, if they played like that in New Orleans, they would have won that game by 10 or 15. Right, right. But Jordan, when he was exhausted, found something, even if he had to make it up, that made him mad, that summoned this extra energy. That's what they're going to have to do going forward, because the calls aren't changing. It didn't change with Wilt. It didn't change when Magic reffed his own playoff games and went down the middle and threw his arms in the air and yelled and got to the free throw line. It didn't change with Jordan. It didn't change with Kobe. It didn't change three years ago when Dwayne Wade got free throws and Gobert went off and got fined, and then he got a foul one second on the jump ball. One second in the game, he had a foul. And three minutes in, he was kicked out. This stuff never right. changes. We yeah. can be as mad as we want. And it's kind of fun radio, so I kind of like it. But <laughs> it doesn't change. No, you know? I think
6: I think that that probably is the, is the end point of the whole discussion, is that you can be frustrated, you can voice your frustration, but this is something that just isn't just one particular night in Philadelphia. This is something that you just... Uh, eloquently stated this is just uh, something that we have seen trends throughout time and you know it's a human element we're always going to have that do you want it robotically done most people would say off the cuff well yeah but in reality no the human element still is part of the sports brand of what we do it also as you said dj motivates generates sports talk right which we're having at the moment, but it's a human element that will never go away because mistakes are made. The eye, how quick do you actually see, and then the replay maybe is the worst enemy of the official. Look, let me just for an example last night, on the out-of-bounds play where Royce busted tail to save it, we, my eye went where? My eye only went to his foot, foot. But my argument is that the replay official then told us And again, we're waiting as the fans are and you feel you feel um, like you're you're misinformed because of the out of bounds official actually could have told us or even put a hand to his thigh to say, you know, no, the ball hit my leg, which I later learned from Sakakis that that actually was what they looked at. Not the foot where we all were, were focused upon, and clearly, uh, Royce released the ball, and Donovan have had a runaway bucket to the rim. Uh, had it not been whistled, and that is what was upsetting too, is the misinformation, or at least where my eye went when he, as an official personally, would have said he could have jumped and said, "No, hit me here," out of you know the ball is dead, but that didn't occur. And I think that's what—and then the replay was such a long, you know, ordeal of of time. It's like, what, what could it be? And then we find out that the ball actually, before even Royce busted tail to save it, when he reached for the ball, he actually glazed the leg of the official who was out of bounds dead ball. So that would have taken care of a lot of the argument had that whistle or his reaction would have helped us all understand what had gone on.
5: What's your level of concern having lost three or four versus oh, it's a little bit of a lull, nothing really to worry about?
6: Well, I think uh, DJ said something, fatigue. I think mentally uh, there's been a lot of stress on this team down the stretch. And, you know, holding on to the top level of the NBA isn't easy. Another lesson learned. You know, you bring up the names of LeBron and Michael. This is where it really gets tough, the mental side of the game. Look, physically – uh, and also, I mean, there's fatigue, but also, I think Quinn has told him that, and, and Donovan has said it too. PK is that look, we have the attitude of not being tired, of not being fatigued. If you're gonna, if you're gonna win it, if you're gonna go to the Western Conference Finals, if you're gonna take it, then you have to push through. So this is one of those things I think that you push through. Jazz are still a very deep team. They have a lot of weapons: three-point shot, rim, mid-range, Clarkson, Joe. Um, you know, I don't think you can get – the way they've lost have been close battles. Zion, look, man, the guy's good. He's he's much improved even when we saw him a month, couple of months ago in Salt Lake City and the Jazz took two from the Pelicans. That's a good team. Ball's better. Ingram's a good blend. And uh, I still think the Jazz overall, PK, have a, have a deeper bench in reality, uh, but also multiple weapons. They're just going to have to push through and grow. I think this is a process people may not like to hear it, but it is, you know, to go from one level to the next, you have to experience a hell of a lot. And last night was probably one of the best examples of, of a season where when you have the target on your back, you have to find ways, DJ, as you just said, you've got to find a way to get angry, get mean, get nasty, not knocking people's heads off, but internally finding ways to push through. Uh, And I think last night was just one of those steps. I really do. Hell of a game, by the way. And uh, you can see why Philadelphia. And a beast. 280, the guy's nimble. He's like Zion, uh, even better, in my opinion, at the moment. And, uh, you know, Tobias Harris is is a player that compliments him well. And you've got some shooters. They don't take a lot of threes. Their game is more old-fashioned is to power and beat you up. So the Jazz have, I think, have to become a team too, where they can handle the physicality and also answer back themselves. I thought Rudy played well, uh, despite Embiid's power play, but uh, he tried to hold his ground. He, you know, he's outweighed by forty, uh, but Rudy was, uh, you know, doing the best he could. And what I like too is that Gobert had the back of Donovan and Conley. It's well documented now that he wasn't on the post game list, but he said, "Nope, I'm coming in." That tells me, too, close team, got your back team, we're not done. And and I think this is only a motivator for the second half.
0: So I would say that I am uh, actually watching the way this trip ended. I wouldn't worry about the Jazz winning a bunch of games in the second half. I think what you need to worry about specifically, though, is this trend uh, and I'm not sure why it's happening. It could be because they had so much continuity early, they just had an edge early. Also, you got to mm-hmm. give other teams credit to adjusting to what the Jazz are doing. But when they're seeing good teams uh second or third time, they're losing. You know, yeah. they beat good Philly in the first... And I know there's a bunch of one-offs. You know, Embiid didn't play in the first game. So there's a bunch of this built into it. But the second time they see Miami, they lose, and I realized Miami was healthier. The second time they see Philly, they lose. I realized Philly was healthier. The third time they see the Clippers, because the second time they saw the Clippers, the Clippers didn't have their stars, but the third time they saw the Clippers, they lost. The second time they saw Denver, they lost. And I wonder how much of this continuity, and how much is they're playing differently than most of the league, and it takes teams a little while to catch on. But once they do, they can figure out how to handle it. And those, I don't know which it is, but that's where the red flag is for me. Yeah.
6: No, it's fair. It's a fair assessment. And I think that's where the Jazz adjusts, to have to throw another wrinkle into what they do. I think what I see, too, DJ, is that on missed shots because of the threes, the amount of threes, those balls kick hard most of the time off the rim. Thus, you get a a running downhill mentality, and the Jazz have trouble in transition. And that's where athletic teams with guard play, fast guards, can actually bust tail and get out and score at the rim. And it's it's an amazing thing, the three – can do a lot of damage, a couple of back-to-back threes, you get a run rolling. But if you miss those shots, you allow your opponent uh, to jump and go. And I think that's where I would see, too, some of the problems uh, that have occurred is uh, the ability to to break the paint, get to the rim, off missed shots. And the other part I would say, uh, despite the way the Jazz have played, turnovers still become an issue. It, it, It is for every team. I think for the Jazz, they have to be much more protective of the ball. Make sure the pass is crisp. You can't lob it over the top and have a guy pick it off in mid-flight, which happens, uh, I think, too often personally. But um, I, I, those are a couple. I think you know those are a couple of areas that you would have to look at in the second half. You know, cut down the turnovers three or four a game, uh, and not allow the team especially when you turn the ball over, to score off the turnover. And that's what the Jazz have given away a lot of points. And they fouled quite a bit during this road trip as well. And it's hard to to corral the Zions and the Embiids of the world. But uh, that's those are issues I think you have to talk about.
0: Bowler, as always, we appreciate it. You enjoy the downtime, man. Look at you. Yeah, it's uh,
6: amazing. Yeah, take a little breather. I'll be ready by Monday, but uh, <laughs> but uh, we'll, uh, we'll be back at it on a home game. The other part of this, too, uh, PK, by the way, I mean, I, I could use a song, but I, I know that's probably what you and DJ got into it about over the phone. But, uh, you know, sing us out to a break. But the Jazz have a challenge, too, to start the second half, right? Houston home, then five on the road. So they just come away from four. So I tell you, the second half of the season starts with a challenge. They're going to have to find their road, uh, their the way to win on the road again, like they did before.
0: Oh, uh, just to be clear, we didn't get into it on the phone. He just absorbed my sound and fury. Oh, I was frustrated. It? I was frustrated about something else, and so I called PK because I knew he'd understand. And I let her rip. You let it rip. I let her rip. Yeah, he was Is just there, no PK was just being a good teammate. A hey, P PK, any fines forthcoming? <laughs> oh my gosh!
5: <laughs> yeah. I mean, I've yeah, I known this me. man for for almost thirty years now, yeah. Yeah. and that was that was, that was awesome.
0: Yeah, that was a top tenor. Yeah. I let it rip.
5: Oh, that? I covered yeah. a lot, I
6: covered a lot of ground. Would that have been a twenty thousand dollar fine night? Or <laughs> oh, big time! I like <laughs> yeah. to
5: talk, but I didn't even say five words. Wow! Because it, it, it was not it was not my time to talk. It was my right. time to listen. Uh-huh, yes. I uh-huh. had to take it, it to a, a safe well, space, and I yeah. did. It was impressive. <laughs> well yeah, done, it was. DJ. It was, it was Some, good. That was a little but disturbing, it, too. <laughs> You know, sometimes as cool and calm as
6: you may be, sometimes the long fuse just burns at the end, and I think there that's what happened to, to you. Probably what yeah. happened. And it did oh, happen it was, yeah. No, I,
0: I think PK agree, would agree that that was probably 10 to 12 years in the making. It was a long fuse. <laughs> that is a long fuse, yeah. man. Yeah,
6: yeah. yeah. All right, well we, got,
0: we got to run, Bowler, but we appreciate it, and uh, we appreciate you getting all sorts of fired up on the broadcast. Yeah, and you and Matt, good. even though you're in separate cities and neither one of you are in the city of the game is, I thought you guys did a good job of being on the same wavelength. I could really yeah. feel what Matt was thinking when you were getting fired up. Yeah. And if we get him on over the break, I will discuss this with him. Yeah, discuss I, that with him. Please. I mean, I'm, I'm more into the broadcast than most people are going to be because it's what I do, and I've had to do remote broadcasts. But, yeah, I thought... Thought, I thought there was some telepathic communication going on between the two of you. <laughs> I was impressed. <laughs> six cents. Yeah. Yeah. Right. All right. Thanks, Bowler.
6: Guys, talk soon. Thanks.
0: Uh- Take care. There's Craig Bowler, Jack with PK and I. When we come back, what is trending? All the headlines coming up next.